Hello, and welcome to the Kosh. I'm your host, Timber Smith, and the Kosh is a podcast that spotlights people who have had an association with the Kosh or the surrounding Fox Cities area. Good morning, Kosh listeners. How are you doing? Ah, yes. It's a good morning. Like, it, I, feel, I feel at peace with it. That doesn't always happen because a lot of times, you know how mornings work? Mornings are like, you've got this checklist of things, particularly weekend mornings, that you feel like you've got to go get done and it's on your mind. And I don't know about you, but I'm always scrambling for that kind of stuff. But um, this morning, particularly, it just feels right. And maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe part of the reason it feels right is because once again, yes, once again, I have an amazing guest. <laughs> I just, yeah, don't ask me. I don't know how these, how I keep getting these great guests, but I, you know, it happens and it's to the benefit of not only you, the listener, but also myself, because I tend to learn a lot in, in every episode. So um, without further ado, this week's guest this week's guest is Alicia Johnson. Alicia, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing I'm doing good this morning. As you could tell, the vibe is there. Yeah. I have been trying to embrace slow mornings. Ooh. To really prepare myself for the often fast pace of the day. So what is it what is slow mornings? Break that down. Yeah. Like doing some breathing exercises, some maybe a little meditation enjoying my coffee, snuggling with my dogs, and then just really trying to ground myself into a place of peace before I start my day. Okay. So you're, you're kind of centering, you're centering yes. for the day. Yeah. And then you come out like a UFC fighter and just start <laughs> handling right. things. Yeah. All right. That's what I, cause I was like, you ain't fool with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You seem like a get it done person. Yes. So you're centering first, but then you come out and you're like, whap, whap, whap. Yes. And, all right. That's fair. I yeah. like that. That's how I get through the day and how I'm able to, you know, respond to many fires. Many fires. Okay. All right. Like, and you know, it's funny you use that. Um, cause that's what I call it. Like when you, I feel like when you have jobs or when you've got things to do, you either choose to be offensive or defensive and defensive. I called firefighting because, you know, if you think about it, firefighters really don't get the chance to be offensive often. Their job is to respond to the fire. So it's a defensive job. And so that's what I, I call it is firefighting when you're constantly has to be a person that's putting out fires. Yes. Are you putting out fires? All the time. <laughs> I think so many managers and leaders and especially those working in the realm of equity, diversity, and inclusion. I think that's a lot of the job right now. That's a, that's the job. Firefighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't get the cool toys that they have. That's true. <laughs> they, they get cool toys. All right. Well, Alicia, can you please um, share a little something about yourself and your connection to the Kosh? Yeah. So hello, everyone. My name is Alicia Johnson. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I have lived in Oshkosh since 2016. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, honestly, it's longer than I thought I was going to live here, about twice as long. Um, but 
the cash has been good to me. I've been able to buy a home. I actually was able to buy a home real quickly um, because the market at that point was much different than the market now. Um, And so I've really enjoyed having that ability to own a home and then also start my professional career um, at UW Oshkosh. The other um, sort of fun aspect about my connection to Oshkosh is that one of my cousins actually happens to live here. So I'm not originally from Wisconsin. I'm originally from South Central Minnesota. Oh, okay. Um, we'll forgive that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. Um, and so it kind of was just a coincidence that she was living here. She came here to finish her degree at UWO and then stayed. Um, so mm. it's nice to have one family member here and, she happens to be the same age as me, and we've always been pretty close. So, yeah, okay, that's, that's yeah. what's up. And you know, I can't tell you how often you hear the story of uh, so I went to school here and I ended up staying. Right, that is my story. <laughs> so I feel you on that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, been here since 2016. Um, have a cousin, close cousin that stays here also. Um, what What about What about the cash so far has um, made you stay or want to stay? Yeah, I think cost of living is a big factor. Facts. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to purchase my home with $300 down, right? Like I was just out of fresh out of um, graduating from my PhD or with my PhD and uh, moving here. So I didn't have the traditional percentage down. Um, and so the market at that time, I was able to get a first time homeowner's grant and that $300 and that got me a house, which is not what, what would happen in the current market. Facts. Yeah. That is, that is so true. Bruh. <laughs> um, so where in Minnesota and were you born and raised Minnesota or like yeah. you born, born, raised Minnesota? Yeah. All right. So I was, uh, I'm from Ellendale, Minnesota. It's, um, kind of between Mankato and Rochester, about an hour, hour and a half south of the Twin Cities. Um, very small town. Um, I think it was like five or 600 people in my hometown. Bruh. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Mm. We didn't have police um, in our hometown. <laughs> There's no police? <laughs> no police. Yeah, that, that tells me a lot. <laughs> We uh, contract with the county sheriff to come through twice a day. And so, you know, as teenagers, we figure out what that routine <laughs> was. Um, <Mm-mm>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we and then the other kind of uh, measure that is often used is are there stoplights in your town? Facts. Um, or how many? Not. So you don't even have any? We have no stoplights. There is one stop sign at the railroad tracks on the main street. Um, but otherwise, it's a pretty small town. And so, um, you know, I work at UW Oshkosh, and a lot of students are from rural areas in Wisconsin. And I share with them that, you know, I'm also from a very rural area. Um, and so we can have that as a shared starting place. All right. It's true. Yeah. It's true. There's a lot more uh, rural students than I think people know. Yeah. Okay. I can't even believe like yeah, you don't even have one stoplight, just a stop sign. Mm-hmm. That that's that's kind of fantastic. 
Okay. We do have a meat vending machine. Meat? Uh, wait, repeat that? Bruh. Meat vending machine. So there's a vending machine with meat in it. Yeah. So we have a meat market that's um, pretty well known in South, like South Central or Southern Minnesota. Um, and they have a vending machine where you can go and get jerky or hot sticks or whatever you're looking for. You know what? I'm I'm kind of in awe and and stunned, and I'm kind of mad that we don't have any meat vending machines here <laughs> in the Kosh because I think that sounds fabulous. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. Uh, yeah, dude, just to swing by a vending machine. Let me grab some of these jerky. Uh, can right? I get a pack of this? And yeah, let me go on back home. Yeah, that's kind of fantastic. All right, right? that's new. That's way better new. than a stoplight. Maybe we, yeah, that is kind of, well, yeah, way better than a stoplight. We, uh, all right, Kosh listeners, um, maybe we need to work on this concept of a meat vending machine. Like, I'm already big on meat raffles. Mm-hmm. Like, I love meat raffles. Those things are super, super fun. But uh, a meat vending machine might top meat raffles. Yeah, I think it would do really well here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would do really, really well here, actually. Okay. Fantastic. Maybe it's something they should put outside of the uh, the drinking establishments. Is a oh. is a meat vending machine. Certain locations. Yeah, or like outside of Wagner's because they have some solid meat selection. They do. They do actually. I I am a big fan of Wagner's, uh, especially their specialty brats. Mm-hmm. I got some favorites. That uh, habanero and mango. There's nothing that makes me happier than like things that make you sweat <laughs> that are hot. And uh, that right there, that, that's a serious, serious prop. Yeah, you were talking about ghost peppers a couple of episodes ago. Oh, well, yeah, look, look, because <laughs> people don't believe hot things are hot. That's it. It's just ridiculousness. Uh, I will say, hey, Kosh listeners today, don't think that I'm off my kick either because me... And the wife are definitely making hot sauce the second half of today. We are going at it. Uh, I've got a whole huge thing of peppers. Like, we're not done. We're not done. So the challenge is still out there. If anybody out there is interested in trying some of this fire that we got going on, we welcome you, but you must sign the waiver first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. All right. Um, Let's jump into the first segment. The first segment is what in the world is going on with this is where you start with the phrase what in the world is going on with and you tell us what's on your mind. All right. So what in the world is going on with Yik Yak making a comeback? All right. See, I don't even know what Yik Yak really is. So Yik Yak was a well is a social media app that was popular probably early like 2012 2013 2014 somewhere around there and then it kind of died out okay and it has made a comeback and i don't think it brings out the best in anyone so it's a an app where people can post anonymously about anything and it is based on your location so it shows you posts from the surrounding area like around you know a couple of miles like okay. a couple mile radius. Um, and so we, you know, are living in a very polarized world and um, that has given people even more 
courage to say very unkind things. And I wish Yik Yak would fade back out because I think it just, you know, not that I am under any assumption that um, these things or these thoughts don't exist, but um, the harm that it causes people when it's right there in, you know, in an app and it's circulating and um, you don't know who's saying it. It just, yeah, it causes a lot of harm that isn't necessary. This just sounds like something like ignorance would be bliss. In other words, uh, I don't know about it. And now guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go look for it. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not going to go find Yik Yak because I feel like I'm missing out knowing what people are out there saying. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I I remember it like lightly. Mm-hmm. Um why do you think there's a comeback? I don't know. You know, I think there's so much conversation around the anonymous, um, being anonymous on social media, um, even if it, your profile is attached, right? So um, there's research that shows that people are more willing to say things that they wouldn't say in person to a person's face. They'll say it on social media because there's kind of that perceived screen, well, yeah, it, it, you're you're less likely for someone to confront you or right. for you to actually uh, might catch might catch a, a, a what do they call it a two piece chicken <laughs> 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 to the dome like yeah, yeah less likely to get punched in the mouth yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. what it comes down to yeah and so you know this takes that yik yak takes it to a whole new level right because now your name's not even attached. But you can talk about people or things that you wouldn't say to their face or. Okay. Well, so I'm not sure, um, but it doesn't, it's not a good look for us as humans or as society. Okay. That's fair. Now I got to, I got to fight the urge. I, I got to stay away because <laughs> I, I don't want to know that bad. All right. Yik yak. My what in the world is going on with is what in the world is going on with the Jackson Street Bridge. Mm. Um, and here's, I get it. I get it. Things break. Things happen. Things need to get fixed. I'd rather you put it, I'd rather you pause it than utilize it and something bad happens, right? So I'm all for that. But then, like, it's been down all summer. And then they gave us, like, this time frame like oh yeah the fall we're gonna get a fix you know we just gotta get these people here from i think it was milwaukee or something like that somewhere in state that who are gonna fix it and then like i think the latest thing is we we gotta wait for parts or we don't have the parts and it's like if it's been broke this whole time you couldn't you telling me like y'all didn't go order them parts back in the day like this thing's been broke all summer yeah so, I mean, like, that's months. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't take longer than months to get the parts, but it sounds like that wasn't quite the situation. Like, they didn't order these parts a long time ago, and they ain't here yet. It sounded like either they ordered the wrong parts or the parts were bad parts or something happened, and now we're back waiting for parts. I don't know. I'm not, not 100% sure I've got that narrative 100% right, but that's kind of what I... Kind of from reading what I've been able to read, 
That's how I perceived it. That's how I took it. You hear anything different? No, I just really wish they would have done the fixed height bridges that are higher and didn't have to um, have the lifts. Yeah. Um, when I when I did buy a house, I purposefully bought on the side of the river um, so that it I didn't have the variable of the bridges when I was trying to get to work on time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just got the train tracks. Nope. I, oh, you actually uh-huh. don't have the train tracks. Okay. It was another variable I avoided. So. All right. Yes. I, I, I don't have the bridge, but I definitely have got the train tracks, yeah. which aren't the worst. Yeah. They're not the worst. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully they get it fixed before, you know, winter because winter is coming quickly. Well, here's the thing. I don't think what it, what it, what it made me realize, and, and you don't think about it until you, you know, it's like anything, like you don't miss it until you don't have it like it made you realize how valuable like every street is in like Oshkosh like Oshkosh isn't that big so like cutting down cutting the street off like that that causes some some um, traffic challenges you know people trying to go around the bridge who would have just went over the bridge to go through Jackson and such so I mean that's a thing and having to zoom over towards Ohio or zoom over towards um, over towards um uh, Main Street, that's just I don't know. So it causes a little more havoc than like it's not it's not earth shattering, first world problems probably for the most part, but still it matters in in your flow of just trying to because it's an important area. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. So, um, so that's my what in the world is going on with uh. We'll wait and see about the Jackson Street Bridge saga. I mean, I'm hoping they're going to have that done before winter. I hope so. But, you know, things move slow. Well, things move <laughs> slow. <laughs> Bruh. Facts. There's facts in that. All right. So um, next segment, word association. This is where I'm going to say some words, and you're going to tell us what's on your mind. Um, and our favorite word, we always like to start with the unifying word, food. Yeah. So when I think of food, I think of care. Um, so I, um, in my professional realm, I direct the Women's Center at UW Oshkosh. And we have created this culture of checking in on each other and making sure that we're taking care of ourselves um, because we know that we give us a lot of ourselves to our work um, and to the students and the people we serve. And so one of the main ways that we do that is um, to make sure that each other is eating lunch, having snacks, um, to make sure that we had breakfast um, because oftentimes those uh, meals get skipped um, in the start of the day or, you know, when the day is moving really quickly. Um, And so for me, food is one a big way that we show care to each other to just like make sure that we're tending to our basic needs and that we can continue to give to others by first taking care of ourselves. I like that. It's true. Um, skipping meals is bad. And like, uh, as a person who's, who makes the excuse of being really, really busy. Um, but in reality, you can make time to snack on something. Mm -hmm. Me, I've learned. I've learned like that. Um, I do have hangry issues, and if I don't, uh, if I don't go ahead and try to eat something and get right and balance out, it's not gonna go well. Day's not gonna go well. 
Yeah, I have an emergency snack pouch in my work bag. (laughs) Um, So it's like a protein bar or other snacks that are can help me regain some energy um, in those moments where I might not have time to get food um, like a full meal or if I didn't pack a lunch, um, at least I'm having something. And so um, and it's also gives me the opportunity to share with others if they're in that boat. You're sharing. Yeah. That's Sharing me. is caring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, you might not need to tell people now. People are going to walk up to you before meetings <laughs> and be like, so, you know, that uh, that emergency snack pack, uh, you got a granola bar in there? Can I get that before we sit down here at this meeting? <laughs> I would happily share. <laughs> let me just tell you, I for sure would be one person that would hit you up. I have no shame. Come at me anytime. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, cocktail or beer? I mean, Timber, you already know, for sure beer. Um, and I prefer IPAs currently. Um, but, you know, com- growing up in a rural country area, I feel like beer is very much uh, part of that identity and part of my identity. So, for sure, beer. Okay. What's our favorite right now? Ooh, um, well, okay, so this goes against what I just said about it being IPA, but I do really love, in the change of seasons, seasonal beers. So, like, when it turns to summer, getting some good summer shandies, um, now we're kind of turning into, like, Oktoberfest. Um, so I do like to switch it up and get some different seasonal beers. Um, but IPAs, I enjoy most IPAs. Um, probably Fantasy Factory is one of my favorites. Okay. Fantasy Factory. Streaming. Hmm. There are so many streaming services. Um, and I try not to get all of them because, you know. <laughs> Bruh. What do you mean? Um, you're not, like- you're not, you don't have one of these, um. Uh, what what I don't even know what I would call it, but like uh, your team of people who stream and do some stream sharing. <laughs> yes, um, I do have some shared accounts. Sharing is caring. <laughs> <Sharing>. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I think in many ways streaming is just turning back into cable, right? But you have to have individual subscriptions to each of them. So it gets expensive real fast. Um, But one that I did invest in is Discovery Plus because then I can have HGTV. And I really love watching home reno shows. (laughs) Oh, that's your thing? Home reno shows? Yeah. (laughs) Because I really like to um, do home renovations and build things. Um, That is something that I find joy in. Um, but I also spend a lot of time, um, well, as much time as I'm allotted, um, with work. Um, but I really enjoy watching shows that are, that can like help me challenge my stereotypes or biases that I hold. So I try to make sure that I'm paying attention to the diversity of characters and plot so that, you know, it's another way that I'm working towards being more inclusive. Okay, that works. So what's the last home project? Last home project. Okay, so I've done um, pretty much the entire interior of my house. Um, So I've laid new floors, painted, um, did some other 
kind of just touch-ups. So um, the owners before me redid the kitchen cabinets and stuff, so I didn't have to do anything major like that. Um, but it's been fun to kind of turn it one by room by room um, to my own sort of style. Um, and now I'm trying to work on the exterior. So I have a big tree that needs to be taken down. So I'm finally on the list with a tree service to have that taken down. And then I can start building my outdoor entertainment. Space. I was kind of envisioning you uh, being Chainsaw Alicia and just going <laughs> <laughs> Chainsaw Johnson and yeah. uh, just going on and handling it yourself. So you're not going to do that one yourself? Not this one. It's a, a very large tree. Um, it is. Yeah, it would take out my house and my na- like all of my neighbors' houses. So yeah, there's a time to call it professional. Yes, man. exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, so back for streaming, um, probably my favorite show and one that I would recommend is Good Trouble. It's a spinoff of The Fosters, um, but you don't have to have watched The Fosters to get the plot of the show. But they do a really awesome job with representing um, diversity and just a range of topics related to social justice. So I think that's the best example that I've come across with how to talk about these current events um, in a socially just way. Okay. Um, what's it? Where? Who's streaming that? What service is that on? I watch it on Hulu, um, okay. but I think it's on Freeform. Okay. The Fosters. Oh, no. The Fosters was the Mm -hmm. Good Trouble. Fosters was the spinoff. All right. I hadn't heard of it, so I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah. How about you? Uh, What am I streaming right now? I can tell you what I'm getting ready to stream. Um, I'm getting ready to stream Dahmer. Mm. You know, I'm all about it. I'm fascinated. Uh, The reviews, uh, the the word of mouth reviews is what I will say, have said it's crazy, it's sick, but it's intriguing, and you can't turn away from it, which sounds like everything I want in something I'm going to sit down and binge. (laughs) So I'm about to sit down and binge Dahmer uh, in the next two days, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what that's about. Um, I don't know. That's it. Like, my fascination is there's some weird crazy stuff that's happened in wisconsin you know what i'm saying so like when it's stuff that's like local local and stuff that hits home local so like um like making of a murderer that hit when i watched that that hit different because that was wisconsin wisconsin Mm -hmm. Like that truly hit Wisconsin. And then there was people I knew that were from those regions and there's definitely strong opinions about it. Um, and then Dahmer, look, Milwaukee, that hits home home. So mm-hmm. like, uh, once again, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to see it. Yeah. The only, I haven't read a lot about it, but the only thing I've seen is that, um, people were saying that they hope the actor is getting, uh, free therapy from the <laughs> production team right. um, that they're sponsoring that because playing that role, you know, it, it had to be dark. Yeah. <laughs> really, really dark, which means he must be really good at this. Right. Which is scary. Yeah. Which is why I'm going to watch it. I mean, just, let's just, <laughs> let's just be, Bruh. let's just be perfectly honest. That's exactly why I'm about to binge it. <laughs> Let me know how it is. No, you can just go ahead. You know, I'm not going to do, you know, I'll share, I'll share a little bit, but I won't spoil it for you. 
You know, I live alone, so um, I don't watch things that freak me out. So. Mm. Okay, facts. I can um, I can appreciate right. that. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> all right. Um, shop local. Mm. Um. Well, coming back to food, one of my favorite restaurants in Oshkosh is Bangkok Thai. It's like. Mm. Yeah. Facts. When I uh, just, it's like my self care and <laughs> I treat myself and any excuse that, I mean, I never need an excuse, but things that I tell myself. But um, yeah, I just really love their food and um, everyone's just always so nice. So it's a good experience all around. Um, and then I also wanted to shout out for Shop Local the UWO bookstore. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, there are some universities who have bookstores that are run externally, but we run ours internally and Thomas Wolf, um, who I'm sure you're very familiar with. (laughs) Um, Love that man. Yes. He's the director and they're just so good to us. You know, they support a lot of the events and the programs in the women's center and across campus and, um, I just also really appreciate their commitment to supporting inclusive programs and always wanting to do better. So, um, yeah, I think that's not one that people probably think about in shopping local, but um, that those funds go right back to the university. So, well, I just think period uh, UWO uh, gear is as about as local as it gets. Yeah, that screams local. You know, um, and if you're from the region or have lived in the region for some time, you're connected in some kind of way to the university, whether you realize it or not. Uh, you know, whether it's relatives who have gone to the university or some programming or something the university is doing for the community. So, I mean, it never hurts to support. And let's just be honest, it's an amazing resource that we have and not a, a resource that everybody else, um, every other community gets lucky enough to have. I want to send a big fat shout out to Thomas. Uh, he is always, he was really good to me when I was in a veteran center. Um, came up with great um, clothing and gear and things for the veterans uh, to put in a bookstore. Um, and I got a request for him right now. So uh, I'm just going to put it out there. Thomas, if you, if you listen in to this Kosh podcast, you know, I got that ask out there. Um, let me just say that, that they're super supportive in small giveaways and helping fundraising uh, of such through some of the some of the stuff in the bookstore, too, which is huge. It goes a long, long way. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Sure is. Okay. I'm glad you? you brought that up. Yeah. All right. What's on your mind with Shop Local? Um, right now, I really like the new coffee shop on main street elsewhere. Yes. Okay. That place is just a, it's a, it has a vibe. Mm-hmm. There's a vibe to it. So I just like the vibe. I like going in there. Um, you know, not necessarily sitting there for a long, long time, but it just has a nice vibe. And, and I'm, I'm very much becoming, uh, that, that coffee shop kind of sewer kind of person. Like I like a good coffee shop. Mm-hmm. You know, let me sit down, bring my laptop, sip on some nice caffeine and just vibe in there for a minute. Like it feels different. 
Yeah, I was just there for the first time actually this week. Um, and I got to have coffee with a colleague and we sat on the orange velvet couches and it was just so nice and it's such a cute space. And um, I was able to see uh, another colleague who um, is also a graduate student at UWO. Um, they were working and so um, I got to catch up with them. So it was just, yeah, it's a good vibe in there. Yeah, it's it's got a vibe. So, I mean, I... I that's that's that would be my shop local right now is good if you haven't checked them out check them out um the coffee is really really good i had a chai and the chai was fire so i was pretty happy yeah yeah you know i talked about seasonal beers but also seasonal coffees are great (laughs) um and they have a pretty strong fall drink uh lineup so i have to make my way through that like I'm all for the changing of the coffee flavors, but I am not a, I, I'm not going to lie. I have biases against all the pumpkin latte stuff <laughs> and all of that. <laughs> it's just because I don't think pumpkin is that yummy. Mm. It's just me. Uh, maybe I don't know what I know, but it, <sighs> it frustrates me. I mean, I would take, a, I mean, this doesn't have anything to do with coffee, but I would take a sweet potato pie over pumpkin pie any day. Facts. Mm-hmm. Facts. <laughs> I agree. You know, it's the, the the two aren't the same. Yeah, they aren't the same. And a sweet potato pie, if done well, there's no comparison. I agree. So, all right. Equity. Yeah. So I think you know there are a lot of misunderstandings about equity, right? And um, oftentimes. Equity and equality are used interchangeably, um, but they are not interchangeable. In order to, for us as a society to, to get to a place where we can have equality, we first have to get to equity, right? And so we have to understand the history, understand um, how people are currently on unequal footing or uh, standing in society in whatever realm you're looking at, education, policy, law, you know, name any institution. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do um, before we can get to equality. So I just think focusing on equity and really understanding what we mean by equity um, is important for us to move forward as a society. I agree. Um, I just think there's one big glaring misconception about it and I just think um for those who don't know or those who like let's just say bristle at any of the terms like diversity equity or inclusion um when they hear equity I often find that they think something has to be taken from someone else for equity to occur and that's just not the case yeah it's not about taking anything from anyone and um, it's really about just trying to get people the same opportunities or give them an, an opportunity that is the opportunity that fits. A fair opportunity is probably the better way to say. It. Yeah. So, um, okay. But I like how you describe that. Yeah. And I think, you know, because we just talked about pie. Um, Pie is used as a metaphor. So thinking about, you know, like having everyone have an equal slice of the pie, right? Like for equality, but really 
you know, we need to have a bigger pie and to make it equitable in the distribution. So yeah, I don't know. I just think like, how can we get bigger pies? Like how can we get more (laughs) opportunity, um, more yumminess? um, uh, Yeah. More equity. More equity. Education. Ooh. um, So in my realm, I often think about the connection between equity and education, right? So education for me in my personal life has been an opportunity for upward social mobility. Um, But that is not the case for everyone, right? Because there's not equitable opportunities even within education. We have a lot of work yet to do to make that happen. Um, But for me, education has played a really important role in my life. Um, So as a first-generation college student, um, I have this joke with my mom that um, I got three degrees, one for each of her kids, but I get to keep the PhD. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Because neither of my brothers went to college either. Um, It just felt like it wasn't for them, which I, you know, support and understand that um, it's not the right path for everyone. Um, But I think education can be such an important opportunity for people to not only gain knowledge about a particular content area or topic, but also just to explore themselves and their identities and to grow in that understanding and be better humans and like how we support each other, how we operate in the world and make the spaces around us more equitable. Um, what I like education for, um, if you are in, if we're talking outside, if we're talking environment, like going to higher ed and um, being on campus and stuff like that, what I truly think the value, the hidden value, but maybe one of the most valuable um, things to come out of it with is all of the connections, all the individuals, all the relationships that you're going to be able to build and all the people you're going to meet from who are like usually a lot often um, a lot of these people who are going to be in those spaces are going to be the future leaders of all the things later, right? They're going to be starting businesses or having businesses or um, running divisions of companies or, or coming up with innovative ideas, whatever it is, they're going to be, you know, when you're in that space of higher ed, there's a lot of future leaders there, if not current leaders. Um, And you get to meet them in a growth phase. And that's like where real authentic relationships often can happen versus like meeting them after, after the fact, like after they've already achieved said success or whatever, you know? So I, I think there's not enough talk about that part of it where that's why when you have the opportunity, you get involved in everything, you join the orgs and you go and um, you go to the events, you join uh, different organizations on campus. Um, you go you just immerse yourself into everything. Uh, if you can live on campus, live on campus so you can meet everybody in your dorms. Um, and those relationships, they they don't disappear. You may not bond with everyone, but you may run into them in other spaces. And then 
it's kind of cool to just be like, there's this commonality between you that you share that gives a fundamental foundation in which to build an authentic relationship or a partnership from. Yeah. Yeah. It is such a unique opportunity. And I think, you know, there's a lot of conversation about the assumption that everyone will pursue post-secondary education um, and the, you know, questioning of if that's the right move for us as a nation. Um, but if we take a global view, there's still less than 10% of the global population that has a four-year degree. And there are other options for post-secondary education other than a four-year degree. You know, there's the two-year degrees, whether it's through a technical school for um, maybe a trade or an associate's degree at UW-Oshkosh that you can get at any of the three campuses. Um, but having that credential, um, if you do get the four-year degree, I think, the, I think the last time I looked, it was about 6% of the population, global population, has a four-year degree. And so if we look beyond our own narrow context and really understand that global view, um, it is still such a privilege to have a degree. And I hope we can hold on to that because, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, of course, lots of work that still needs to be done to make it equitable. But um, yeah, post-secondary education is still a unique opportunity for most of the world. I can see that. But it's still a unique opportunity here. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, even here, it's not something that everybody... And then again, it's not absolutely, and I always want to reiterate it, because I do think the culture is changing. Um, like I felt when I was coming up, there was always the talk of college. Like college was the answer to all things. Mm. Like that was the savior of all things. And it, and it, and it, it's more than that. It takes more than just the piece of paper. It takes more than the degree to, to provide great opportunities. I've known those with degrees and, mm -hmm. uh, the great opportunities didn't necessarily pan out, uh, that way for them. Um, I know others on the other side of that coin too. Um, and then I also know those with no degrees and they've done very, very well. So, I mean, like, I do think right now people are reflecting differently on, that path and if it's really their fit or their calling. And then I also think other opportunities, more tech, like more people understand, maybe I don't need a full degree. Maybe I can do a certificate program, particularly like in tech world or the two year um, for all those opportunities. Like there's, maybe there's just more opportunity, more choices mm -hmm. for um, professional pathways. Yeah. And I think people are also kind of taking back ownership of timeline, mm -hmm. right? And so maybe not feeling like they need to go right into post-secondary education, education after graduating from high school, right? right. So maybe they want to work a little bit so that they don't have to take out student loans or um, want to be able to help stabilize their family. You know, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might um, go into the workforce and Maybe they'll come back to post-secondary education. Maybe not, but um, the door is always open. Yes. Yes. Okay. You ready for the next segment? Yeah. Next segment is the Kosh Hidden Gems. Um, this is your opportunity to uh, tell us about a hidden gem around the Kosh or the Fox 
Fox uh, Cities region. Um, maybe it's something everybody knows, but there's a particular detail about it people don't know, or maybe it's something people really haven't thought about. What do you have? Mm. Um, well, of course, I have to plug the Women's Center um, at UWO. Um, I think one thing that is maybe a misconception is that you know, our programs or even our space are only open to campus folks. Ooh, see, Bruh. I would have only thought that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we welcome anyone from the community, from campus. Um, our programs and events are open to the public. And so when we have speakers or discussions, um, we welcome everyone. And so I think that is uh, one of the benefits of having a hometown university, as you mentioned earlier, um, is that all of those resources or most of the resources are available um, to the community as well as the campus uh, population. So what's going on there right now? Oh, um. <laughs> well, well, here's my thing. I Not that you have to go ahead and shout it out, but I figured, you know, now's a great time yeah. to share like Maybe not what's happening right now. What is some interesting program that the greater community might find value in? Yeah. So we, um, in the Women's Center, we serve on the Take Back the Night planning committee. Um, And so... And what's Take Back the Night, for those who don't know? Yeah. So Take Back the Night is an annual event. um, And this year we're... Um, kind of repeating 2019 where we are doing one um, in the community and really focused on um, community facing populations. And then we're also hosting a second one on campus. People are welcome to attend both. Um, But we wanted to make sure that we could um, meet the needs of the different populations. And so um, Take Back the Night is an opportunity to stand in solidarity with victims and survivors of sexual and domestic violence Um, It's an opportunity for us to pause and honor the lives uh, that were lost in the previous year from domestic homicides. Um, And then it's an opportunity to really think about how we can all work together to prevent sexual and domestic violence in our community and to shift our view from an individual perspective to a community effort to end domestic and sexual violence. Uh, from happening in our community. And so we collaborate with um, the community agencies, so Reach Counseling Services, which is the sexual assault service provider for Winnebago County, and Christine Ann Domestic Abuse Services, which is the domestic abuse um, victim service provider for uh, Winnebago County. And so we collaborate closely. We co-plan it. Um, And this year we have an awesome lineup um, for both. Um, in the community one, it'll be on October 5th, um, Wednesday, and it'll be at Beckett's in their event space. And we're focusing on centering the experiences of Latina survivors. Mm. Um, so we're going to have some cultural performances. Um, Dr. Maria Graf, who is a now a tenure track professor in the College, College of Nursing at UWO, she's going to share about some of her dissertation research that um, highlights the experiences of Latina survivors. Um, We have some art pieces to share. Um, So it'll be a really great opportunity to to come together as a community to stand in solidarity. And then we'll have our um, march. Uh, So we'll go through the streets of Oshkosh and um, show, shout our solidarity and then, 
take a moment of pause um, outside of Christine and for those who were lost um, to domestic homicide. Okay, that sounds awesome. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm probably I'm gonna be sad to say this, but this probably isn't gonna get published <laughs> before the event. That's but, okay. But but uh, at least people will know that they that it exists and that they have an opportunity to get involved um, and they can reach out to UWO's Women's Center to figure out how to get involved. And it is for the greater public. It is not just for campus, those who are campus involved. Yeah. I think that's huge. I I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if depending on when this gets published, but we do have the um, UWO Take Back the Night, which is, again, um, co-sponsored by all the same agencies with the same focus, um, and that will be on October 25th. Um, and so that is another opportunity. It'll be a little bit different in the lineup, um, but um, it's still an opportunity to come together in solidarity. And then instead of the march, we are going to do a walk through the monument exhibit, um, monument quilt exhibit in the Steinhilber Gallery, which again is a art gallery that is open to not just campus folks, but anybody from the community. Um, and the Monument Quilt is a really awesome project that was um, it kind of brought to the Fox Valley in 2014, 2015, so even before I moved here. Um, so it's kind of modeled after the AIDS quilt, and so it's um, it was a large collection um, of just stories from victims and survivors and um, local organizers were able to put together some um, quilt squares to be, uh, to join the larger quilt. So then um, it became sort of a traveling exhibit um, and it ended in, I believe 2018 with um, the quilt being spelled out as, uh, to say not alone on the Washington DC um, mall. And so after that, um, they're now archiving the, the quilts. So we were able to retain, um, retain or get back the squares that were created here in the Fox Valley. So we're um, going to have them up on display, and it'll kind of be like a welcome home for those um, survivor stories and those quilt squares, and then we're going to archive them, um, either return them to the victims or survivors who created them if they want them back uh, for their own keeping or we will um, archive them at the university. Mm, that's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Bro. All right. That sounds, you know what? I think it's amazing that that's happening in our community. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Like um, sometimes people don't think things are being done, but often we just don't know the things that are being done and so uh, that's pretty cool yeah and powerful yeah and I think it's a really great example of how the university collaborates with the community that partnership is essential to this organizing and we absolutely work closely all the time all year round with the agencies sounds fantastic okay um What's the cash need? So I listened to the episode with Angie Lee um, and I heard about 
how she was sharing about the kind of community centered space. Um, and that's something that we had talked about because um, Angie and I were on the Fit Oshkosh board together um, before Fit Oshkosh dissolved. Um, and that's something that we had been talking about. And I do think that is such a need. Um, you know, I know the Women's Center um, and community is absolutely welcome to use that space. I also acknowledge that, um, you know, not always, folks don't always feel comfortable coming to campus. Um, and so I think it would be really powerful for us to have a community-centered space in Oshkosh that's focused on social justice, that folks can come together, could be a resource hub, um, could be an educational space, a safe place for people to gather. Um, so I think that would be really awesome. Um, I also really miss having a bookstore. Um, so right now I have, you know, we have the campus bookstore that has a pretty awesome selection um, of books. It's a smaller selection, but um, yeah, I think like a feminist bookstore would be magic. <laughs> Bro, that's fair. Um, like Madison has a room of uh, our own, um, and they have like author speakers come in, and yeah, that would be cool to have in Oshkosh or just in the in this region of the state. Okay, I think um, I would like a. Like a, just a cool old bookstore, like it would that had new books and used books mixed in. Okay, right because there's yeah. there's treasures out there, um, and it's I'm thinking the socioeconomics of it too, mm -hmm. like uh, you know. And let's be honest, people don't know what to do with their books when they're done with their books. If they're not That's book true. collectors, if they don't have a bookshelf to put them in and whatnot, and those books are just sitting somewhere ready to be thrown out, they're a coaster for something. <laughs> and there's just good, there's there's the opportunity to recycle those books or that knowledge somewhere. So I think there's an opportunity there for like a really cool used bookstore where people could come in and, and get some of affordable resources. Yeah. Or maybe we need like a really sweet coffee shop as part of the public library. Because then people could just check out their books. Oh, yeah. I think our public library actually probably gets uh, utilized a ton. And mm -hmm. the thing with the library is the library serves as so many other resources, um, you know, for a whole lot of our other populations, our marginalized populations, our homeless population, you know, just... Like they serve, they already serve enough. I don't know if they want one more thing. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> I'm not sure they need one more thing. Uh, coffee, coffee shop management. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe we can get them a nice little coffee stand nearby. <laughs> <laughs> True. Go and check out a book and then bring it to the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Or vice versa. Maybe you get your coffee and go get the book. I don't know. Good point. Okay. Now, you know what? I think we're going to take a quick commercial break. Hi, I'm Dawn Gulke, the Executive Director of Casa of the Fox Cities. Science proves that one consistent adult can change the story of a child. Could that one person be you? Become a court-appointed special advocate. Build a relationship with a child, help identify their needs, and give that child a voice in a process that can otherwise feel lonely. Contact us today. 
children who have experienced abuse and neglect can't wait. Learn more about Casa of the Fox Cities at casafc.org or call Leah at 920-257-4733. All right. Uh, I always love that commercial. It's something, it's a vibe. It's a vibe, right? And uh, also the, the work that um, Casa of the Fox Cities is doing is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't stress that enough. Okay, we're on to the next segment. The next segment is the Naughty Slash Heroes Corner. This is your opportunity to put someone, something, uh, an idea into the Naughty or the Heroes Corner. So, Alicia, what do you got? All right, so I am going the Heroes route. Um, and my current heroes are the students at UW Oshkosh on all three campuses who have come back with just so much energy and excitement and um, they're just ready to engage and make connections um, and to get kind of their full experience out of um, whatever campus life uh, has to offer. And so I've been reflecting on how that has really felt like saving grace to a lot of us staff who maybe felt like we were hanging on by a thread or, um, you know, cause the pandemic has been hard. Right. And so the, ham- the pandemic was hard and you know what it is. It just changed everything. Yeah. Right. And change is hard. Yeah. And forced change. Right. And fast forced change. Right. So, I mean, you put that all together. Yeah. Like, um, there was nobody who wasn't affected. Right. Yeah, and it, so I think this, the energy the students have brought, brought back to, again, all three campuses has been so incredible, and it's really, uh, for me and for many of the colleagues I've spoken with, it's just helped us reconnect to our purpose. Um, you know, we work in higher education because we want to serve students, and so um, that they've just really given us space and excitement to reconnect to that purpose, so they're my heroes. Uh, agreed. How about you? Um, yeah, I at this well, here's what I'll say. I normally don't answer the question, so I'm I'm not prepared <laughs> for a uh, for putting someone in the heroes or the naughty's corner <laughs> per se, because I usually want to think it through. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't have anything like I if I was to think of something right now. And be like who my heroes are, who my heroes will be, are going to be our poll workers mm. for the upcoming election in November. Because it's a hot mess. Yeah, It's a hot mess. And these are people who typically, they were just people that did it because it was, they felt like it was their, their patriotic duty. Um, they believed in... in voting um they believed in the rights of people (laughs) you know and now it's all politicized and it's all jacked up you know like i remember seeing like i've i have voted here for a really long time and i remember seeing the same um retirees always do it Mm -hmm. and i think about like all of a sudden these same retirees who've been doing working these polls for like decades decades literally um like they're politicized. 
And it's like, how? It's the same old people. Mm-hmm. And and they just did a good job. And they made people feel welcome. You know? They didn't make people feel bad. They just come vote. Here you go. Keep it moving. So um, if I'm going to celebrate some heroes unprepared, it's these people who are preparing to be the poll workers for this next election because I just think, like, Hopefully it just is, it is what it was, the simplicity of it, the the honesty to it, the non-aggressiveness about it, the the non-politicalization of the process of what I think voting should be. Like, you should just get to vote. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, vote your heart. Uh, No matter what team, um, shouldn't be any intimidation things going on or anything like that. Um, And your vote should count. I don't want a bunch of people recounting my vote over and over again, hoping that one of these times it won't count. Right. So those are my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. That's a good shout out. Cause they, <laughs> you know, they have long shifts and yeah. I always get a smile and like very, a lot of kindness. So I appreciate them. Yeah. They're, they're cool. And like, give me my sticker. And <laughs> <laughs> And, and yeah, it, it is a long shift and it's not, you know, no, it's not the most complex work, but it's still work and it's connecting. And, um, you know, you're talking to each individual person that's coming in there and telling them where the machine and how to properly show your ID and all that stuff. And like interacting with people is work. Giving great service is always work, no matter what the service is. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, there's where there's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Well, now it is that time of the show. It is. Oh, let's see here. I do believe we are at. Oh, I love it every time. Every single time. <laughs> such a good intro yeah there's every single time so it is time for the topic of the week the topic of the week is chosen by the guest um i'm just gonna out my guest this time to say like we we kind of had to go through a couple of topics to figure out what this week's topic was going to be but we made a last minute decision after some conversation on what this topic is so alicia Go on and share with the listeners. What's this week's topic of the week? Yeah, and our deliberation before starting um, is reflective of the topic. And our topic today is imposter syndrome. Mm, yes. Bruh. So, um, so imposter syndrome um, has become a little bit more of a mainstream term mainstream term um, does come out of some of the academic research, but I think a lot of people can relate to it and see um, some of their own experiences within imposter syndrome. And so imposter syndrome is really just um, when you're in spaces and you feel like you don't deserve to be there or you feel like you're like faking it and you're going to be found out um, that yeah, that just like that sense of like questioning, like, do I actually belong here? 
Yeah. Uh, the way I define it sometimes is when you don't think you can necessarily live up to the expectations of what the position requires or or what people re- are going to expect of you in the position. Mm-hmm. But you totally are. Right. But in your soul, you're constantly questioning it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's a lot of um, overlap and connection with various marginalized identities, you know, for me being first generation college student from a really small town, um, being a woman, um, you know, a lot of that, those identities like come out as like feeling like I don't belong in spaces of power or decision making or, um, leadership. Right. And so, um, And I also recognize that my experience is buffered by my, the privileges I hold by being cisgender, heterosexual and white, able-bodied, right? So there's, um, many ways where I have some buffer that others don't, um, but that experience, um, can be again, like a connection point to understand, um, how, we're all experiencing or navigating the world and um, yeah, to support each other through it, to remind us that yes, we do in fact belong here. Our voice is important. Our perspectives are important and the world needs us and our ideas. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I find often it sits on like others actually think you're valuable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your team thinks you're great <laughs> the people that gave you the opportunity believe in you mm-hmm. and like but you you have this burden that's still sitting on your soul mm-hmm. and uh you're trying to you're trying to make peace with yourself mm-hmm. i find that's the that's my own personal experience with imposter syndrome mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i can share an example of like a recent um sort of imposter syndrome uh, spiral, if you will. I was able to stop it, but uh, stop that spiral. But um, so I am serving in an interim leadership role at the university and serving on the chancellor's cabinet. And um, we, he has um, each cabinet take a photo to kind of just document like the changing leadership um, that he works with and which I think is pretty cool to kind of um, document that and that change over time. Um, But for me, when I was preparing for that photo, um, there was so much imposter syndrome that um, flared up Uh, for me, like around physical appearance, around clothing, you know, like you wearing not, like expensive clothing, right? So like the, my experiences of classism really kind of um, showed out and I had to negotiate through. And so, you know, and it wasn't about anything that my colleagues said, like they all make me feel very welcome, but um, it's just that like my positionality, right? Like that I am constantly convincing myself that I do belong there. Bruh. Yep. Yeah. And you know what? I think I was, I think I got to see you um, that day. Mm -hmm. 
And it was a good look, girl. <laughs> it was a good look. You had a good look going on. It was a nice blazer. You know, you was doing it. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a good look. Um, I totally can relate to that. Um, so my question is, how do you navigate that? How do, do we have anything to help people? navigate it because i do think it's more widespread Mm -hmm. than we like to admit um and i you know sometimes you don't talk about things because you don't have a you don't have the term for it or when you don't have the terminology for it then how can you talk about it? it's really hard to describe but now that this term has become more widespread i i hear more conversations about it i hear i hear it often in spaces with where um where there might be the, these gender gender differences uh, or where someone is, you know, like they feel like the leadership team is very male and then there's females in there. Or maybe it's even divided, but they still feel that way because of the positioning of male leadership inside of the leadership team or whatever it is. Um, that's where I hear, I hear it used often there. Um, and then in spaces where, there is very little um, cultural diversity um, where there might just be that one or two people <laughs> in the organization. No. <laughs> and they're, and they very much are just trying to navigate how they fit and how do they add value? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for me, um, you know, I, shared my experience on social media because I wanted people to know that that was something that I was going through and not as a way to, you know, get attention, but to share openly and in a vulnerable way to say like, Hey, I know more of us are experiencing this. So like, let's talk about it. Right. Um, and so what was helpful for me um, after I did share, I had two other cabinet members reach out to me and just share about their own experiences with imposter syndrome and um, affirmed that I belong and that my contributions are valuable. And so for me, that was a great act of care and support from my colleagues. Um, And then I also had my friends who can, um, just very directly challenge my imposter thoughts. Right. And so, um, I have my group of friends who, um, can like validate that and, but then also say, stop it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you better go on and stop that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I can appreciate that. So I think community is important. Okay. So at the end of the day, um, it shook out. Mm-hmm. So are there anything like, are there any like support groups for anything like that? Cause I almost feel like there could be right. Like there's a, there's an opportunity there um, for people to come together and, and kind of support each other to believe that they're capable of what they are actually capable of. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know of any formal groups, um, but I think any sort of like affinity group, um, like I know in Oshkosh there are several um, like professional based 
women's groups. Um, so there's like the professional women's connection. There's, um, a couple of other different, um, organizations as well. Um, and so those are opportunities to either gather around a particular industry, like there's women in technology, um, but also just having people within your organization, like finding a mentor or mentors, you know, plural, um, <laughs> that can help you. Um, and I think also just sharing, right. And knowing that you're not alone in it, because I, if we allow that sense of isolation and if we feel shame about how we're feeling, um, or us being in that space, then, um, that's where imposter syndrome can thrive is in that shame and that silence. Right. So we have to expose it to the light. I think it's hard though. Yeah, I mean, because, um, sure. it requires, it requires the, the ability to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and that's not an easy thing. Right. Right. To actually admit like that you feel that kind of way mm -hmm. instead of like, Cause I'm also a firm believer that you got to fake it till you make it too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sometimes and not all environments are actually um, nurturing. So right. if you put it out there and, and have that authentic moment and, and are vulnerable, um, some people may make you pray. <laughs> and I don't mean like, church praying i mean right. like predator pray um and and you don't want to do that necessarily either it just it's very um it very much depends on the environment mm -hmm. yeah and this is also where my whiteness does provide some protection for me right so it's a lot more complex for particularly uh, women of color who are navigating multiple <coughs> systems of oppression um, and so I think having spaces where folks with shared identities can connect and be vulnerable with each other in that safe space in a, you know, maybe it's a small space. I think that's important, but, um, but yeah, every context is different and it's a constant navigation of the environment. Exactly. I go through it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've had it. I still have it. It depends on um, certain spaces and rooms. And um, particularly now while I'm in uh, what I will call is I'm in a, uh, a very sped up growth phase because I'm being exposed to a lot of new spaces and a lot of new people. Um, and I'm learning every day. And uh, I have to, as you, you know, the longer you've been a professional or the longer you've been working, period, and the older you get, it is hard to be comfortable not knowing, mm -hmm. like being being a rookie again or, or learning new things in an environment and not walking in as an expert. That That's tough. Um, and then that can play into it, too. So you've got to be comfortable enough to be honest with yourself to say, I'm very much in this place of learning and I just got to understand I'm not supposed to know right now. Mm -hmm. I'll know in a year or two. Right. And that's tough. Yeah. So, okay. Um, anything else about imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think just reminding 
ourselves and each other that um, not one person can know everything <laughs> as well, right? Facts. <laughs> um, and so kind of like what you just shared of like um, recognizing that at various points in our career, we're going to be learners. And oh, Well, the entire time, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, yes, at different points of uh, learning growth. But um, yeah, I think just also having like spaces of power or like leaders with power, like reflecting on the space that they're creating for their teams, right? So um for me, like when I'm leading a team, say, of like my interns in the Women's Center, like really thinking about, okay, what are questions that um, I think that they might have? Am I giving space for them to ask questions about how to navigate professional worlds? Um, or am I making assumptions that they already know these things, right? And it's that assumptions uh, of knowing or that people know the things yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of also helps fuel imposter syndrome, right? Cause oh, big time. Yeah. I think if you end up in spaces where particularly spaces where jargon is used, mm. when it's everybody's talking and using these terms and these and acronyms and they assume like everybody in the space understands what they're talking about. And it is so hard to stop and say, what does that mean? Right. That's a that's a hard thing to do, um, but I'm not gonna lie. I've gotten real comfortable with it. Right, right. <laughs> that's great. I learned that actually the the place where it started was at uh, working at the university because the, the university actually there was a I used to um, tease one of the old uh, vice vice chancellors about the amount of acronyms and stuff when I first started, and someone actually sent me an entire sheet of. <laughs> acronyms and what they meant for the university it was like four pages long yeah it was actually crazy i was like this is this feels like the military <laughs> <laughs> but i will say this there was an understanding that when i would stop and ask like that there is um there was an appreciation that i stopped and asked because usually people forget that everybody doesn't understand what those things mean and that they're very much used to speaking to their choir mm -hmm. and not the new members. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's an important point. So I think just as like a recap, um, for individuals who can recognize that they're experiencing imposter syndrome, um, my ask or my, um, advice, even though I feel imposter syndrome saying like advice because it, you know, Anyways. And was that because I was over here giving you the eye? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so kidding. <laughs> Timber keeps me accountable and supports me. Challenging. He's a good uh, challenger of the imposter syndrome. Um, but just to keep reaching out and um, finding people who can support you and that you can be vulnerable with um, in a safe way. Um, and there's people there. Um, you can always come find me in the Women's Center. Um, and then for leaders to really reflect on the spaces that they're in charge of and asking if they're creating 
spaces where people um, can thrive without feeling like imposters. So. Yes. Facts. Okay. Love it. All right. Um, so it's that time of the show. We're going to start winding down. Cash uh, listeners, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for giving us your time, your mind, your ears. Um, I always appreciate you. Um, you know what I'm going to say. We are a work in progress. Um, we are always trying to get better. So please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out. And you can reach out for a number of reasons. Uh, if you want to be a guest, if you've got something to say about one of the topics, um, if you want to come and give us your shout outs, because we will be happy to share your shout outs here, birthday wishes, whatever it is that you would like to do um, here on the Kosh, because we are community based and that's the point. Um, you can always reach out to us at ask the kosh at gmail.com once again that is ask the kosh at gmail.com and if email is not your way we do have a voicemail number yes we do yes yes we absolutely do and that phone number is 920-385-9298 if you call and leave us voicemail shout outs we will play those as is live in the episode so i'd be happy to do that um and then Oh, you know, I'm trying to think of all the things that I always want to say during this time. And one of them always is I always forget to say is, hey, if you are a the cash listener, please, please, please feel free to give us some reviews. We will take those reviews. Let us know how we are doing. Do it on Apple Podcasts. Do it on Spotify. Let people know how you feel about the show. We appreciate that. And it also helps other people learn about us because, you know, I think we do. I think we do a decent job getting out some pretty cool messages here, um, particularly for our local community. And then the last thing is always do not forget we have the Kosh gear. So hats, T-shirts. Once again, nothing says local than busting out some local gear. And local gear, nothing says local gear like the Kosh gear. That says super local. <laughs> That's just how I feel about it. I'm going to keep pitching that. I don't know. I mean, it looks pretty fly, so. I think it looks all right. Like, it's not, it's not, it's simple. Yeah. Like, that's what I just want. We want simple, simple to the point gear. But, you know what's even better than that? Let me just help you out with that. It is shout out time. Love, love, love shout out time. So, Alicia, this is your opportunity. Who you want to shout out? All right. So um, I have a couple of shout outs um, and some of them I've already named. So, of course, the Women's Center and my team there, um, they're awesome, as well as the intersection, which is our diversity inclusion spaces on the Fox Cities and Fond du Lac campuses of UWO. Um, So we're building momentum there. Um, So I felt like wanted to give them a shout out. Um, I also wanted to shout out Sapo Zambia, so Mushe and Ange Sabulwa. Um, they do some really incredible work both here in Northeast Wisconsin, um, specifically Oshkosh, but also in Western Zambia and making connections between the two. So they run a really cool partnership between Emmeline Cook Elementary and one of the elementary schools in um, Western Zambia. Um, and they do a lot of really great work here in the community. And um, AAUW Oshkosh, so AAUW stands for 
the American Association of University Women. Um, and this is a group of folks who I am privileged to call colleagues and friends. A lot of the members are um, retirees or former employees of UWO. So I've learned a lot from them and their experiences. And um, we do fundraising to support scholarships for um, students at Fox Valley Tech, as well as UW Oshkosh. Um, and then I have to shout out my colleague and friend, Byron Adams, um, who I see as a mentor, as a leader, and um, as a friend. And he's just been a really strong staple in my supporting me during my time here in Oshkosh. Ooh, I think I just gave him a shout out in the uh, in the last episode because it is Byron. It's B. He's pretty great. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, my shout outs, I'd like to send a shout out to um, Rayon Brown over at Fox Valley Tech. Um, you know, man, it, Rayon has been doing this work for a really, really long time. He's super connected in the community. He has served uh, countless students. He's just solid. Sometimes you just got to tell those people, give those people those flowers. Um, because sometimes when you're in leadership roles, um, a lot, often no one tells the leader they're doing a, a, a good job, right? <laughs> you know, you remember team members, frontline people who do it out, but it, sometimes those leaders are missed. And so I want to make sure we point that out. Send a shout out to the, to Oliver and the team over at the Building for Children in Appleton. Um, y'all are just amazing, period. Uh, every time I have interactions and I get the opportunity to interact with them for a lot of different reasons, whether it's um, some future initiatives or current things or uh, they're, how they're going to serve the community, how they serve children, like they are just a top-notch organization with amazing leadership, and I just want to give flowers and a shout-out to them. Um, and my last shout-out will go to Fox Cities Communications. I got an opportunity to sit down with them. Um, it's it's ran and owned by these uh, two amazing Latinas, and um, yeah, they're just they're doing great work. Um, people forget the power of communication, and when you when there is when that ability is removed, there's huge social breakdown. So when you have organizations businesses that are helping to create those communication opportunities so there's equitable services or equitable voice hearing mm -hmm. the ability to hear those voices um it's pretty powerful so i just want to give them a shout out too so all right what do you think parting wisdom that's where we're headed. That's <laughs> right. So we are at the end of the show. We are about to do parting words of wisdom. But as you always know, I always give three choices in this. So, Alicia, you have the opportunity to share some parting words of wisdom. Or option two is share with us what would yourself today tell your 12-year-old self or third option all of the above <laughs> so what do you what do you got going on Ooh, my 12 year old self oh um <laughs> you like that one huh i mean I, it's not a time that i would go back to I don't <laughs> <think>. <laughs> come on um 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's all related in that, you know, it's important to build self-confidence, um, keep building our voice, um, and assuring that we belong in all spaces. And so that is something that I would tell my 12-year-old self, but also um, to everyone is just to keep showing up, um, to challenge systems um, and challenge the inner voices that say you don't belong because you do belong. I think it was pretty fire. Good. All right. What do you think? How was your experience? It was good. Yeah? Yeah. All right. The Kosh. <laughs>